The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. You've got your Bibles. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine is in a journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he said from within, I shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, but because of his importunity, he will rise and give him what he needs. And I say to you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, he will give, will he give him a stone? Or will he ask a fish? Will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Well, last week we began this new series on prayer. And inspired by this call to prayer from our General Secretary of the Baptist Union, Lynn Green. And just to remind you, if you weren't here, this is part of an email that she sent out to all churches in the UK, in which she says, I sense that God wants to light beacons of prayer across the UK. Beacons of prayer that are people inspired to pray and seek the Lord, not with our own agenda, but simply that we might draw close to him and open ourselves and our churches to him so that he would have the freedom to move amongst us and through us by his spirit. And uh, in response to this call to prayer, we're doing this uh, series on prayer over uh, four weeks in the month of July. And uh, last week we were asking the, a very basic question, uh, what is prayer? We were trying to define what prayer is. And uh, I had four ships that I uh, sailed amongst you. We said prayer is about our relationship with God. Uh, our Father in heaven we pray to. Uh, we said prayer is about uh, our worship of God. Hallowed be your name. And we said prayer is about... Our partnership with God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we said prayer 
is about our friendship with God. Uh, the fact that God wants to be our friend and the way that we relate to God and speak to God and the way that he speaks to us is through our prayer life. So we we, uh, we answered the question, what is prayer? Uh, we've got that one sus. We know what it is now. We, uh, we understand that. And uh, this week, uh, we're asking the simple question, how do we pray? How do we pray? We're getting a little bit practical. How do we pray? A priest, a minister and a spiritual counsellor sat discussing the best positions for prayer whilst the telephone repairman worked nearby. Kneeling is definitely the best way to pray, the priest said. No, said the minister, I get the best results standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. You're both wrong, the spiritual counsellor said. The most effective prayer position is lying face down on the floor. The telephone repairman could contain himself no longer. Hey, fellas, he interrupted. The best praying I ever did was when I was dangling upside down from a telephone pole. (laughs) I don't know what you think the best position for prayer is, but Jesus doesn't actually talk about uh, prayer positions, uh, but he does talk a lot about prayer. Philip Yancey, uh, in his excellent book, Prayer Doesn't Make Any Difference, says, Prayer includes moments of ecstasy, and also dullness, mindless distraction and acute concentration, flashes of joy and bouts of irritation. In other words, prayer has features in common with all relationships that matter. And of course, last week we talked about prayer as being about our relationship with God. And it's certainly a relationship that matters. There's lots of uh, acronyms, we've already done a few, haven't we? Prayer, pray rather, praise God. Remember others, ask for what you need, and you are ready for the day. And uh, another one that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, uh, Acts, uh, the idea that we offer adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Uh, Models of prayer, things that can help us and encourage us in our prayer life. Throughout this series, I've been asking for uh, people who might have testimonies of prayer. At the moment I've got one person who's offered a testimony and they're not with us this week so we've got someone uh, for next week. But um, I said I'd give people the opportunity and if anybody's got a, a short testimony about prayer, um, either have a word with me or even if somebody's got a short testimony now, I'd love to give people two or three minutes just to talk about a testimony prayer. And I've said it could be a, a, a marvellous answer to prayer or it could be a struggle in prayer, because uh, both are equally valid testimonies about our prayer life. So I don't know if anybody's got a testimony that they just have come this morning with on their heart to share. You might not have done. You might need time to think about it. Ideally, I'd speak to you before. before and, and Oh, we've, we've got a couple. This is fantastic. Come on, Daniel. Come and share. A few, uh, a few uh, months ago, about six months ago, I got a, uh, a bill from the water board. Lovely things those are. And I've not had a water bill for ages. And it was £2,000. And I thought, my goodness, I can't really be doing this. It's a lot of money to find. And they even offered, offered me to pay in instalments uh, over about four months. But it still didn't really help. Anyway, I, uh, I was obviously prayed about it, and it was a bit uh, going to be rather tight, really. And we'd... Anyway, uh, after praying about it, about a month later, we got a, uh, a letter from Halifax saying I'd, I'd overpaid or something on my insurance for the past six years. I got a thousand pounds. 
How good is that? So, uh, <laughs> so that's an answer to prayer. There you are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Fiona. Fiona. As most of you know, I had quite a serious operation last year, which involved brain surgery. And despite the fact I was being very calm about it, I wasn't very calm. I was very, very anxious. I was worried that I was going to be blind. I was worried I was going to have a stroke. I wasn't worried I was going to die, but I was extremely anxious. And what was worrying me more than anything was the morning of the operation, going to the hospital. How was I going to cope with going into theatre and having my mum and my sister there? And I, I prayed, I prayed for calmness, for peace. And I, I was so calm on the morning of the operation. My mum and my sister were in bits, but I was, I've never felt anything like it. A complete serenity. And I believe that was answer to prayer. Thank you, Fiona. It's great to hear testimonies, isn't it? And uh, hopefully during the next few weeks we'll hear more testimonies. So if you've got a, a testimony, and as I said, it, it's okay. And uh, next week we're going to be dealing with the with the awkward question of unanswered prayer. And, uh, you know, we want testimonies about that as well, because those are equal and valid testimonies. Because it's wonderful uh, when God answers our prayers in the way that we've heard this morning with the uh, testimonies. Uh, but it's also good to stand with those people that pray and pray and maybe don't get the answers that they uh, are looking for. So we want to share and learn together. As I said last week, you know, I'm, I don't come and stand before you as an expert in prayer. Uh, I see myself as a fellow pilgrim uh, on this journey as we try to understand and learn more about prayer. Again, Philip Yancey in his book, uh, he says, We do not pray to tell God what he does not know nor to remind him of things he has forgotten. He already cares for the things we pray about. He has simply been waiting for us to care about them with him. When we pray, we stand by God and look with him towards those people and problems. And it's this idea of prayer. Uh, it's, again, it's that partnership with God, isn't it? That we stand with God and we care about the things that God cares for. I like that thing, that, that reminder that we can't tell God anything. Uh, We can't tell God something he doesn't know, uh, but we can share our hearts and our burdens with God, and we do that in prayer. So then, on to the passage. Jesus, it says in uh, Luke uh, chapter 11, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Notice it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And if you look at the Gospels, you will find... That time and time again, the gospel writers tell us that Jesus found a quiet place to go and pray. If anybody asks me, why should we pray? What's the point in praying? My first answer would always be, well, it seemed to me that Jesus needed to pray. And that Jesus seemed to uh, put a, a big thing about prayer life in his own ministry. He was always going away and praying. And if Jesus needed to pray, then maybe you and I need to pray as well. So Jesus found these quiet places and uh, in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, he talks about uh, going and and, and closing your door and and, and shutting everything else out and praying before your Father. And Jesus did that often. And uh, the disciples obviously noticed this. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's interesting, isn't it? Because these were these were good Jewish boys. 
they would have been brought up in a, in a very ordered and strict way and they would have been taught to pray as children. They would have been praying two or three times a day, uh, rigidly and regimentedly. And yet for some reason, they saw something in Jesus' prayer life that was different. And they come to him with this request, Lord, teach us to pray. And we might not realise it, but we do need to be taught to pray. How did you learn to pray? You probably learned to pray uh, by hearing other people pray. You can tell people's background sometimes by the way they pray, can't you? If you were brought up in a in a Pentecostal prayer, prayer uh, church, you, you, your prayer your prayers are likely to be quite kind of loud and exuberant, and, and maybe involve kind of moving about. Uh, you know, if you were brought up in a in a Quaker church, you probably uh, don't say anything. You pray silently. And uh, we learn to pray very often by seeing and watching other people pray. You know, we go to the prayer meeting and uh, and at first we don't say anything because we're frightened to death of speaking because we think we might get it wrong. And we hear one or two uh, elderly, uh, senior, experienced people pray. And, and that's why some people still pray in a, in, in a bit of an archaic language, you know, using vows and these because that's what they've heard all the people pray. And they think that's how to pray. But we do need to be taught to pray. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so really, uh, the Lord's Prayer is a blueprint for prayer. It's a model of how we are to pray. Jesus tells us in response to that request, teach us to pray. In other words, show us how to do it. What do we do? And... You would have thought the disciples would have known how to pray, but they obviously, as I said, saw something in Jesus, in his prayer life, that they wanted to know about. There's a world of difference between saying the Lord's Prayer and praying the Lord's Prayer. The problem with the Lord's Prayer is because we say it so often, very often we say it without really thinking about what we're saying. And as we were saying last week, really it's quite a radical prayer to pray your kingdom come, your will be done, rather than my will be done. Uh, this this morning we're going to be looking at the second half of the Lord's Prayer. And again, it's just as, just as radical. But there is a difference between saying the Lord's Prayer and actually praying the Lord's Prayer. We need to think about the words that we use. But... It does remind us that it's okay, again in the free church, sometimes we think it's a bit dodgy, don't we, to use prayers that are written down by somebody else, as if it's, they're not quite as, as spiritual. And uh, you'll find in the Bible there are all sorts of prayers that are written down that people obviously used and repeated, and we'll be looking at some of those next week. There's nothing wrong with using prayers that other people have written. In fact, it's quite humble to use such prayers, because basically you're saying, somebody else has done a better job than me. Sometimes we think, you know, unless we're making up as we as we go along, that the prayer isn't really spiritual. You've all heard the story about Mavis, the uh, the church organist who was known to play one or two uh, notes out of tune. And one week the minister said to her, you know, can't you play something more up to date? And Mavis said, you can't get much more up to date than this minister. I'm making it up as I go along. (laughs) Sometimes in our prayer life, we think if we're not making it up as we go along, then it's not very spiritual, not very real. I think Jesus gives them a template and says, this is how to pray. And this prayer has been used uh, down the generations. And it is okay 
to use written prayers. In fact, sometimes when we don't feel that we can pray, when we don't know what to pray, sometimes to be able to use prayers that other people have prayed is very helpful because we don't know what to say. And so we can use prayers that have been written down over the ages and they can be very helpful and meaningful to us in our relationship with God. So, we pray to God our Father. We pray to God our Father. We talked about this last week. How do we pray? We pray to God our Father. We are God's children. And again, in, in, in Luke 11, Luke reminds us of what a good father we have. Uh, he, he talks about the fact that, you know, uh, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If then, the, if you then, though, who, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We come to a Father who is for us and not against us. We don't come and pray to an angry God, a God who's against us, a God, a God who's just waiting for us to, to, to trip up and, and find some fault in us. God wants us to enter into this relationship of prayer and he, he longs for us to come to him in prayer. And so we pray to God our Father. He said to them, when you pray, say Father. He, he, we talked last week about this this radical thing about calling God Father. That this was this was a radical thing for the for the Jewish people, and uh, that's what Jesus did. Max Lucado, in his book The Great House of God, uh, talking about the Lord's Prayer, he says proper prayer. I like that proper prayer, as if there's other sorts of prayers that aren't proper. Proper prayer follows such a path, revealing God to us before revealing our needs to God. The purpose of prayer is not to change God but to change us. Seeing his holiness causes us to confess our sin. Inviting his kingdom to come reminds us to stop building our own. Prayer is not about changing God. It changes us because we come into God's presence and we are changed. We do become aware of who we are in God's presence in a way that we're not aware when we're outside of God's presence. So, what do we say? What do we say when we come to pray? What words do we use? Well, Jesus said, he said to them, when you pray, say, and then he gives them these sets of words to say as an example. I'm not sure whether Jesus actually meant this prayer to be repeated as often as it is. It seems to me that Jesus was giving this prayer as an example of how to pray. A kind of model of how to pray. And so, in the second part of the Lord's Prayer, we get this, give us. Which which on its own sounds a little bit rude, doesn't it? Give us. Give us this, give us that. This is what we want. But you've got to put it in the context that the, the prayer has already talked about. Uh, our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And uh, give us our daily bread is about provision. It's about praying for provision. Give us our daily bread. The sense in which, for us, it's a bit strange, this asking for our daily bread, isn't it? Because uh, in the world that we live in, in the world that you and occupy in, the, the reality is uh, we don't often pray for such uh, ordinary things, do we? Uh, we don't have to pray. In fact, when, when it comes to food, it isn't. It isn't uh, what we. The, the question is not, are we going to eat, but what we're going to eat. 
Uh, there's so much choice. You know, we open our cupboards and our, and our fridge freezers and they're absolutely full of food. And so this gives us each day our daily bread, I think, is a reminder that each day we need to come to God and ask for provision. It's a reminder that on a daily basis we need to recognise that we need God in our lives. Um, it is about provision. Again, Max Lucado in his book, Great House of God, he says, Martin Luther defined bread as everything, everything necessary for the preservation of this life, including food, a healthy body, house, home, wife, children. This verse, this verse urges us to talk to God about the necessities of life. This idea that on a daily basis we look to God to provide. We've heard testimony of, of ways in which sometimes God does provide for us in remarkable ways. But the sense in which we need to recognise that we daily are in need of God's provision in our life. And of course, of course when, we, when we think about bread, we remember that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And that Jesus is the bread that we need on a daily basis. We need to receive the bread of life. So prayer givers is about provision. And then the next uh, thing is about forgivers. And uh, this is about asking for pardon. This is about asking for pardon. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. There seems to be um, a clause in this second thing, that our forgiveness is going to be received on the basis that we forgive others. I've lost count of the number of people, uh, not just in this church, but in different churches who've come to me and said, Richard, I just can't forgive. I can't forgive. You don't understand what this person has done to me. You don't understand. And uh, I might well not understand, but what I do understand is that it seems quite clear to me that uh, in the Bible, uh, forgiveness is something that we have to offer. Forgiveness is something that we are told. It isn't a thing that we can opt in. You know, sometimes, do you remember when we went through all that rigmarole of doing the, the a new constitution for you church members and we spent weeks looking at, at the different options and, and each time we had a different option, you can go for this or you can go for that. When it comes to whether to forgive people, we're only given one option and that is to forgive. And I'm not saying that that's easy. In fact, uh, I know that many people find it incredibly hard. Uh, very often, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to forgive people. And yet we expect others to forgive us, don't we? When we slip up. Um, forgive us. John writing says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Just as we ask, we need to come to God and ask for our daily bread, our provision, so on a daily basis we need to come before God and we need to confess our sins. We need to acknowledge that we've failed because we all fail, each and every one of us, on a daily basis. Let's not beat about the bush of this. On a daily basis we fail in all sorts of ways. Oh, well, I do. 
I don't know about you, but in all sorts of ways, I know that I fail. I fail God, I fail uh, the church, I fail my family in so many different ways. And we need to recognise that and confess. And of course, the good news is that John goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's your people thinking people need to hear that God can forgive any sin. I've lost count of number of people who, who feel that, that what they've done is so terrible that God can't forgive them. And it's a great joy to be able to show people that verse and just say, there, there, there isn't a sin that God cannot forgive. And somebody says to me, what about that unforgivable sin that's mentioned somewhere? Um, I don't think there is one. I don't think there is one. I don't think there is such a thing as unforgivable sin, except for the sin that people don't confess. You can't be forgiven unless you admit it, that you're wrong. And some people struggle immensely to admit that they are wrong. We're very proud people, aren't we? And we really struggle to, 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 to own up when we, when we mess up. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, it's about... Pardoning, and, and on a daily basis, we need to seek God's forgiveness. And then, the next us is uh, is leaders, and this is about God's protection. Jesus says uh, in the prayer, "And lead us not into temptation." I forget who it was now who who says, "You know, um, I can resist anything except temptation." Somebody will tell me who that was. Quote was from Oscar Wilde. Thank you. Yeah, Oscar Wilde. I can, I can resist anything except temptation. Um, let's be honest again. You know, we all struggle in temptation in in all sorts of different ways, and uh, and and all of us struggle. Um, you know, there's, there's nobody here who doesn't struggle uh, with temptation. And again, in the in the Great House of God, Max Lucado says. The prayer's next three petitions, which we're looking at, encompasses all the concerns of our life. Daily bread addresses the present. Forgive our sins addresses the past. Lead us not into temptation addresses the future. The wonder of God's wisdom, how we can reduce all our needs to three simple statements. This prayer deals with our, with our, with the present in our daily bread, in the past with our sins, and in the future asking us not to be led into temptation. We had an interesting discussion at our house group this week on, uh, you know, do not lead us into temptation. Does God lead us into temptation? We decided, no, God doesn't lead us into temptation. And it's probably a way in which the words have been uh, put together. But uh, it's about our protection. And in Matthew's version, there's a little footnote in my uh, uh, NIV in Luke, because Luke doesn't have this, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Another us, deliver us from evil. And this is a reminder that I think we need in our world today. We don't need a reminder that there's evil in the, in the world, but we do need a reminder that we are involved in a spiritual battle. Um, and we do need delivering from evil as much as we need not to be led into temptation. And there's this spiritual battle going on and uh, like Gary Gay, uh, mentioned in, in, in his notice, you know, sometimes it does appear that evil's winning. 
uh, when we look around the world and see the terrible things that are happening around the world, the uh, you know the, the terrorist attacks and the, and all sorts of awful wars and, and suffering that's going on in this world, and it gives the appearance that evil is winning, and we know that in the end evil won't win, but we are involved in this battle, and one of the ways that we confront this battle is through our prayer life, in praying, you know, deliver us from evil. So prayer, uh, leaders, it's about asking God for protection. And uh, we do need protection. We do need to put on the full armour of God when we go out into this world. It's so easy, isn't it, to leave this place. This is a safe place in church, isn't it? You know, we can praise God, we can pray to God, and uh, we're together. But when we go out into the world, we go out into the place where maybe we're the only Christian. And it's a hostile environment, and we need to pray. And we do need to pray for protection. Uh, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So then, how do we pray? Well, we pray like Jesus taught the disciples to pray. That's how we are to pray. Pray like Jesus. Our Father in heaven focuses us on God. When we come to God in prayer, we focus first of all on God and not upon ourselves. Uh, Your kingdom come and your will be done focuses on God's priorities rather than our priorities. It's interesting that the Lord's Prayer focuses, first of all, on God. How often do we rush straight in with our requests and forget to focus on God? Your kingdom coming over them focuses on God's priorities. Give us today our daily bread is about asking for his provision. And we've said that means more than just food and water. It means everything for the daily necessities of life. And then, forgive us our sins, is asking for his pardon, and we all need to do that. There isn't anybody that doesn't need to ask for forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, is about asking for his protection. We can talk about prayer, uh, but I think the best way to learn to pray is actually in the practice of praying. Sometimes we just have to have a go. And uh, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer now because it, we need to pray. And uh, we're going to finish with the Lord's Prayer, saying together. But I'm just going to give people the opportunity to pray. And if you want to pray out loud, that's okay. If you want to use few words, that's okay. If you want to pray in silence, that's okay. But let's just come to God And let's pray to God about the things that are on our hearts and our minds, the people and places and uh, situations that we want to not make God aware of, but stand with God in saying that we care about these people and these situations too. So, an opportunity uh, to practice our prayer. And if you would like to lead us in a prayer, then please do so. Let's pray together. And as I said, we'll finish by saying the Lord's Prayer together.